and you're very welcome back to the Women's Rugby Pod. I'm Johnny Hammond and in the sidecar as ever... Rachel Burford. Red Rose star, World Cup winner and now semi-finalist. Yeah, the Premier 15's news is part of a packed show. Alongside our guest this week, Chelsea Alley, the Blackburns player, World Cup winner herself. Talking not only about the historic game between the Blues and the Chiefs a couple of weeks back, but also... What she said after the game, she took the opportunity to talk about the sustainability of women's rugby down in New Zealand and, in fact, around the world. Plus, we've got results from all over the globe, your shout-outs and all the rest of it. But, Berth, let's start with how are you? I'm really good, thanks, Johnny. That was really sincere this week. All right, do you want to do it again? (laughs) How are you doing? It was sincere. I'm paid to speak the truth. Kind of. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, we're 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 all good. Uh, good weekend was had, and it's um, yeah, it just just feels like it's a bit of a crest of the wave. Certainly uh, over here, off the back of the Six Nations, timing is nice, isn't it? Going into these these playoffs and the final round and what have you of of the club game over here in England. How was it out in the park? Let's. Let's get straight into your great result up at DMP. How was the bus trip? Do you know what? The bus trip was actually all right. I I got the train up there because I had um, some work meetings on the Friday, but the train, the bus back was really good. It it went really quickly. I think so many people dread those, but we had a couple of films. It was obviously one of our players' um, 21st birthday at the weekend as well. So, um. But yeah, no, it was really, it was really good bus trip back. It was nice to be around the girls for longer than you know stepping on a train. Oh, sorry, on a training park and then jumping off and and see you again on Thursday and then Saturday. It was nice to actually spend some some time with the players. Was there singing? Were there beers? Come on, just the dirt. There, there was definitely singing because obviously quite a few players scored some tries. We had a couple of debuts on the bus as well. So yeah, Jess Breach got a hold of the mic and took control. And force people to do things they didn't want to do, like singing. Oh, oh nice. Did did you sing? No, of course I didn't. Oh, we could have given the recording of the, uh, your excellent rendition of the New Zealand anthem, of course. Hey, that was good. I'm just going to put it out there. <clears throat> 67 <laughs> nil it was um, to Harlequins, which meant you secured a home semi-final. Um, wet and windy old day, wasn't it? Um but uh, yeah, eleven tries in all. Hatchick for Jess Breach, um, playing at fullback. She good there? Yeah, she was. She, you know, she managed to get her hands on the ball probably more often than not. Um, just allows her to kind of choose where she wants to insert into the line and and pick great lines as she did to to score a couple of her decent tries at the weekend. But yeah, good for her to get that kind of momentum and that. Um, you know, straight off the back of Six Nations, her form coming into the club game. But yeah, generally the game was really good. Like we controlled and managed it really well. We had, we had a few unforced errors in there, but there was some certain areas that we wanted to make sure we got right this weekend before heading into that semi-final against Wasps. And there's lots of box ticks from that game, but there's some things, you know, over the next two weeks that we need to continue to work on um, ahead of the, the semi-final. One box that would have been ticked is getting players fit. You want your best players on the field, right? And Sarah Beckett's return been been important for you. Yeah, she's massive for the side. You know, just in terms of her, you know, her work rate around the pitch, the dominant tackles that she can put in, but the way she carries, we, we've we've had kind of a few carriers in and out of the squad, and then to have her bolstered back in it, um, you know, and it shows from her try straight off the nine straight over the line, manages to take three people, three defenders with her. Um, yeah, she's an integral part to our team. And, and we're just, you know, so pleased that she's got herself fully back fit. Um, really unfortunate for her to to get back into the England side and clear her up and then the lights turn out and that was her, that was her England time done. Um, so, yeah, she's really buzzing to be back as well, as you can imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, shout out to Chloe Edwards. Always give a shout out to Front Rowers who scored tries. Um, Amy Kikane was on the scoreboard as well. Uh, over at Six Ways, um, Saracens beat uh, Worcester 27-0. Uh, I, yeah, lucky enough to, to be there. 
massively, I would say flattered Saracens because they were unbelievably clinical. But in lots of facets of the game, especially the scrum, they were they were second best. And um, if I may give my humble opinion from, from, from being there, um, I think it was a performance that Worcester and Joe Yak could take into the summer with her squad with, you know, massive stuff to, to hang their hats on. They were physical. They didn't, they were relentless and it's that accuracy. And, and, and therefore you saw seventh to eighth uh, in the table to top team in the table. Saracens, so they had opportunities. They took them, um, but they've, they've got quite a lot of polishing to do. Just to give us an assessment on Worcester's season from, from your point of view. Well, I think I think like a few of the teams, is they've been quite inconsistent. They probably kicked off the season really well um, and hoped to kind of keep that momentum moving forward. But I would say a reflection would be that their performance kind of went up and down. Um, really pleased for how they finished the season. And as you say, they'll go into that into the summer and into pre-season with so many positives um, from from the year, but also a lot of frustrations that they'll want to make sure that they can kind of get right for next season. Uh, I spoke to Marley Packer on the phone um, on the way back on the, the Saturday night and she just said, you know, it was it was one of the most tough games that she's played against. And, you know, Worcester have that ability, like I've played against them twice, they had that ability to, to really get into teams and to really stifle what you are trying to do. Um, so if they can kind of keep hold of that, but also then bring their kind of maybe accuracy and their own attacking plays and, and bring those kind of flourishes of excellence for longer periods of time, then that's going to keep other opposition out um, moving forward. But I think, yeah, overall, lots of great things, but but quite an inconsistent um, season. Yeah, I think um, also that's that that strength and depth. You know, we spoke about Sarah Beckett being out for Harlequins. It's not massively affected you. Um, Saracens didn't have probably Cleo was the uh, hydration technician um, uh, for Zoe House and uh, at the weekend. Um, but you, they don't have her in the ranks, but it, it, you know, it doesn't affect the, the result and uh, the, the performance. Um, Worcester, you lose Lydia Thompson, you lose Laura Keats, you lose Lindsay O'Donnell. They're a very, very different side. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, only positive things and certainly going in the right direction. Was then your opponents for the semi finals, 62 12 against Bristol. Um, uh, probably a season that uh, Bristol are quite happy to to see the end of, and Dave Ward coming in uh, in the off season to to try and improve their yeah their their standing in in the league. Yeah, I think I think how they want to see it is like hit a big reset button, get back to the competitive ways that we know that the talent that they have within the side they should be more competitive, and they should have been more this season. And you know, for anybody who doesn't think that off pitch things that are going on doesn't affect on field, then this is a prime example. They've had lots of changeover. They've had lots of, you know, inconsistency. And and for now, having Dave Ward finally, they appointed a, a new head coach. They can all fast forward and focus to, to next season and rebuilding, you know, the the, the Southwest way. Yeah, indeed. So for for what impresses for them, Katie Mason, Hattrick, Claudia McDonald with a, with a couple of nice little touchdowns. Um, Kate Older, very, very nice, uh, nice try that was. Um, what do you make of of, of Wasps ahead of the semi-finals? Uh, they've they've been a dangerous team all season. We know their attacking threat, and we know their their resilience in defence. So they're going to be a team that you have to break down. It's going to take time to break them down and we have to be prepared for that. And we're really excited about the opportunity again. It's another semi-final against them. Um, and we're so pleased to be at the stoop and for it to have fans in makes it so exciting. And it's going to be a brilliant game. You look at the last encounter by one point we win. Um, so you go by that, you know that both teams have improved. It's a semi-final. Both, both teams have got, you know, potentially full squads back as well. So it's going to be a really, really um, exciting, tough matchup for sure. Yeah, what was it? 12-31 um, at Wasp in the regular season. And was it 10, 20, 20 points to 19 um, at your place? So, yeah, all made up for a really, really tough semi-final. That will be at the Stoop. Uh, I was also just mentioned, um, yeah, uh, very, very good display and a, and a fitting tribute to former Wasp player Rebecca Dino-Reeves, 
who sadly lost her battle with cancer. Up at Loughborough, 26-12 against Sale Sharks. How are Loughborough Lightning ticking along going into their semi-final against the double champs? Yeah, well, obviously they didn't have um, a lot of their players playing, as didn't Wasp in terms of the sevens players. So, yeah, I think that was a really good result for them. And, you know, I like this combination of having Emily at fullback. I think that's going to be probably what they pick for the semi with the likes of Zoe Harrison. You know, Saracens like to play territory game, kick long, get after it, pressurise the opposition. Um, and maybe that was what Reese was doing, looking ahead to that um, semi-final. But, yeah, I think it was quite a, a comprehensive win by them. Again, we're seeing great things from Sale. I think that they've come into the league this year and, and laid a marker and they've been, they haven't rolled over at any point. Um, speaking to Katie Daly-McLean, she talks about how throughout this season they probably had 30. Uh, the first 35-minute performance, and then they can't sustain it or haven't been in that high competitive games before to know that you've got to make it sure it lasts for that full time. You know, you look at when they played against us, it's something like 12-7 at half time, And then, you know, the second half, teams are running away with um, the results. So that would be something that they probably want to focus in on next season. But I think they've made an outstanding start to, to the Allianz Premier 15s. And, it's so great to see sides coming in and them not be at, right at the bottom of the table. It's the same with Exeter. Yeah, indeed, which leads us very, very nicely on. You've done very well. You should present <laughs> a podcast, Beth. Uh, to Exeter Chiefs, they went down to Gloucester Harbury, but as you say, uh, uh, an outstanding uh, opening salvo from uh, Susie Appleby and uh, Amy Garnett and their Exeter Chiefs. Yeah, I think, you know, they've probably been the stars of, of the season in terms of some of the results that they've turned around and the the expectation that was on them um, probably wasn't as high as what they put on themselves to go out and perform and to to kind of shake the league and say, you know, we're not just here to make up another number and, you know, what we're investing isn't just um, lip service, we're really doing it. And it, it showed by their performances on the pitch and, the amount of recruitment from overseas highlights how impressive our league is as well, that people want to come over and be a part of it. And yeah, so fair play to Susie Appy. It's, you know, for, for them to have so little time together in a COVID time as well, um, they've done extraordinarily well um, this season. Yeah, they were 7-0 up half-time. Um, Third of the, uh, the pot, Kelly Hunt, uh, was in fine form. Uh, he says top try scoring, in fact, uh, and a lovely try from Zoe Allcroft, who was, yeah, a- outstanding on the day. One from Ellie Underwood. Gloucester take fifth, not where they want to be. I know I spoke to to Mo Hunt earlier in the season, and she was very much wanting it to be, yeah, they, they were realistic about trying to push push for the playoffs. So in terms of that, I suspect they, they might be a little disappointed with fifth. Yeah, I think naturally it would be if you're trying to aim to get in that top four because it's kind of all bets off and big opportunities when it comes to knockout rugby. But, you know, I think a little bit like Worcester, they've had some inconsistencies this season with their performance, but the same as what you mentioned, Johnny, about the depth. And, you know, first part of the season, you don't have Zoe Allcroft. And then at the end of the season, you don't have, um, you know, Natasha Hunt. Like they're big players that, you know, Shona Powell-Hughes and also, you know, Tatiana Hurd, you know, big players that, you know, make a big difference within a side to get those performances over the line. And, you know, they've had so many results that have been real tight. So you imagine if they kind of have that full string squad together, then what they could produce and, you know, trying to achieve the top four was not unrealistic for that side based on the the talent pool that they do have. But it comes down to that depth. When you lose a couple of those individuals, how much of an impact and a difference it can make. Um, but they'd be absolutely delighted. I think I saw that, you know, they've beaten all the, the West teams. So they're pretty happy being best in West as they're putting it out there. Um, but yeah, no, I think <laughs> I think um, they'll be pretty proud of their performances and and be ready to build on that for next season. Indeedy so. So let's just run through that uh, table then. The uh, Premier 15s, how it finished. Saracens finished top with 79 points. Then Harlequins, Wasps and Loughborough. So Saracens will play Loughborough in the first of the semi-finals. Harlequins will host Wasps. Gloucester Hartbreeze finished fifth. Exeter 
in six. Worcester Warriors women on seventh. Uh, then came the Bristol Bears. Sales Sharks who got up to 19 points in the end. And DMP Durham Sharks with their five points. And please, 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 ladies and gentlemen, you can go to these grounds and watch the semi-finals. Whoop, whoop. I don't know if there's any tickets left because I, yeah. <laughs> Busy old sites yesterday by by all accounts. Uh, but yeah, they are tickets for both semi-finals. Go to Harlequin's website, go to Saracen's website because uh, the tickets are selling very, very fast. Of course, it's reduced numbers, but it'll be a how awesome to have fans back, Berth. Oh, honestly, Johnny, can't wait. The amount of support we've had, like, through social media and online, just to be able to have players and girls and boys in the stand and just be, you know, cheering for us, it means a hell of a lot. Um, and that was why it was really special for us to, and, and it'll be the same for Saracens, to secure those home wins and have our home fans who have supported us through the pandemic. Um, it's been awesome. It will be awesome. Great stuff. Well, there's a little roundup of the uh, news in England. Let's go right to the other side of the world now. And as we promised you, uh, Chelsea Alley, who bravely put her head above the parapet and just said enough is enough. What we do is not sustainable. The Black Fern joins us on the WRP now. I'm Mohan and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Very good morning to Chelsea Alley. Uh, welcome to the WRP. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you? How is it down in New Zealand? Yeah, first off, thank you guys for having me on. Excited to be here. Um, New Zealand is good. Um, it's getting into winter, which means a bit more footy. So um, kicking off a few different seasons as we speak. And we must just take you back a weekend or so, that uh, historic game. Between the Blues and the Chiefs, how cool was that? What an unbelievable score that was from uh, from your youngster. Uh, a great win, a great occasion, I'm sure. Yeah, it was awesome. I eh? like um, it's always been a dream of mine to play for my Chiefs team, and during my career, I guess I didn't um, think that I'd ever get the opportunity. So, running out at Eden Park um, and, and the Chiefs kit playing against the Blues was pretty special, a historic occasion, as you said. And yeah, a moment that um, I'll never forget. And do you, do you see that now as the future? You say you, you didn't think it would, would ever happen, uh, but but it's there now. Just off the back of the success of that, it, has there been whispers? You know, they're t- talking that the unions and, and television, that kind of stuff. Have you heard whispers that 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 may be or be the the way to pay forward? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've been involved in a few of those whispers. Uh, I've been lucky enough to to be amongst the chats. So um, the chats have been happening for a few years now, but obviously the last few years have been um, a little bit up and down with COVID and whatnot. So a lot of plans here in New Zealand kind of got put on the back burner, but we've always talked about that we need a a bridge to be built between FPC, our Farah Palmer Cup down here and the Black Ferns and Super Rugby was just kind of the natural progression for us. So we, we knew it would be coming. Uh, we just weren't quite sure where. So um, I'm, I'm very grateful to both the Chiefs and Blues for kind of taking it upon themselves to get this game off the ground, which meant that we got lots of support, lots of spectators witnessing us in the in the franchise colours, and which means there's a massive push to make sure this goes ahead next year. And just it, where, where did it come about? Was was it the, the 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 two unions driving it? Was it the you know, NZRU driving it? Was it was it a, a combination of of all to get that game up and running? Yeah, I believe that um it began in the franchises. Um, they took hold of it, and then they obviously got the backing of New Zealand Rugby to make this this one match go ahead. And how are the, the other players who aren't in, who weren't involved in, in that game? Are they kind of looking in it with green eyes of envy and, and loads of chat going around? Yeah, 100%. Um, talk to the likes of um, Kendra Coxedge and, and a few of those other girls. Um, they definitely had a bit of FOMO um, watching us play. <laughs> um, I know she and, and loads of others would have, would have loved to get on the field for their franchise. But um, in saying that, all our teammates, um, from the Black Ferns and around the country were really supportive and they really got behind the game actually and um, yes, yeah, su- supported the whole thing and they know that 
off the back of this that they're more likely to get to play for their franchises next year. So is that what you would like to see next is more franchises come in, not just be kind of that one standalone game? Yeah, 100%. Um, I'd like to see all five franchises here in New Zealand uh, get a women's team. Um, I know for the likes of the Highlanders, they don't have the the amount of players in their player pool to probably make a, a full-strength Highlanders women's team to compete with everyone else this year. But in saying that, I can kind of see how we could make a model to be able to kind of loan players out and that type of thing over the next few years um, to get all five teams up and running. Yeah, makes makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Um, and just just off the off the back of that, um, obviously it, we've spoken about the historic nature of it, and this clearly is a sort of snapshot to to what we hope is, is the future. There, the use that occasion, Chelsea, to just make a comment afterwards, and it's it's something that. Um, Berth and I spoke about on this pod just just last week, in fact, about actually the the visibility um, of of women rugby players having the the strength of character uh, and bravery. Let's yeah, not beat around the bush to to make a point um, when it's salient. Now, Poppy Cleo did it off the back of the Six Nations here when she was player of the, of the tournament and made a, a point about professional non professional. And you came out and um, used that platform to just say that what you go through personally is just not sustainable. So in your own words, if you wanted to just verbalize for those who haven't seen it, just give us a little bit more clarity around, around what you said and and what exactly what you meant. Yeah. So um, obviously there was a lot of hype around that super rugby game and there was a lot of excitement. Um, Myself personally, I did a lot of kind of media and um, obviously felt a lot of excitement myself to be playing in that game. And then, uh, yeah, on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and the rest of the following week, um, there was a real kind of low point, I guess, after being on such a high. And for that low point for me, it, it's just going back to a normal, normal day life, really, which consists of getting up super early in the morning to train so that I can get, then go to my other job, which is a normal normal job I teach for a living as well and um, going there all day and then coming home again having a quick feed and then going to another training and yeah I just I got in a pretty a bit of a hole on on Tuesday I guess and I just kind of thought to myself why am I still so stressed about doing all of these types of things um why am I still fitting in three different jobs and rushing to physio in between my lunch break and having to do lots of meal prep on a Sunday so that coming home dark every night, I've got, you know, a healthy dinner to eat. Um, I've been in the Black Fence team for 10 years now, um, which is a long time. And I know a lot of people around me and a lot of people just out in public think think um, that we probably get a lot different to, to what we do get in reality. Um, I mean, the fact that I do work three jobs and, a lot of the other girls in the team work a lot of jobs too. Um, just just to survive, really, is is just, I guess, the real representation of us in real life. Um, semi-professional is a really interesting word, I think, because the expectation is that you are professional. You train the amount of hours as a professional trains. You perform on the same level as a professional performs. And especially here in New Zealand, because we are a rugby nation, if you are in a black jersey getting to represent New Zealand in rugby, you must train, perform, breathe, eat, live like a professional. But then the semi part of that is the part that makes it so hard because you're not full-time professional enough to, to be able to just put all your eggs in that basket. Um, you've got to have other things to do just to survive, really. So um, that's where that this semi-professional thing is just it, it does become almost unsustainable over a long period of time. What what then needs to needs? I, I was going to ask about a sort of a general a day in the life of, uh, but you gave us a little little insight into that. The, the the three jobs then is obviously rugby player, teacher, and I do some work for Sky TV as well. Work for Sky TV. Nice work if you can get it. Um, <laughs> 
brilliant. So, so you're juggling all of that. So, what what, what time do you generally get up in the morning? Because I, I generally I don't think that that people know. And I, I I remember when I first went to an England training session. I spoke to Safie Hemming, and and she was up at half past four in the morning to train to then be a vet all day long and train at lunchtime. And I was blown away for that moment. I was like, my goodness, you're reaching that level of performance on the field. And that's when I just kind of fell in love with women's rugby, the commitment. Yeah. <laughs> so you, what sort of time are we up up in the, up in the morning? Uh, if it's a double day, it'll be about 5.30. And what do you mean by a double day? So like a double training day. Okay, so 5.30, we're up. We're having breakfast. You then train? Yeah. Oh, You're going to have to be, more, get, be um, more specific for, for Johnny. Remember, he's a prop. <laughs> Or he just yeah, does the scrum. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, sorry, To maximise my sleep, I'd have uh, a coffee and a snack on the way to training. Um, train, have a recovery snack on the way home, quick shower. Um, I'll generally take breakfast to work and <laughs> have that during my first class or at interval. Um, go to work as a – I do relief teaching, which is – quite handy because um, if I do feel like I'm starting to get burnt out or I have to go away for tours or anything like that, um, I don't have to apply for time off and I can kind of take that time when I need to. So I'm, I'm quite lucky that I've got my degree in teaching in that regard. Um, but yeah, so go to work and then it'll be come home, have a quick snack and coffee. And then generally, especially in season, it'll be back to training. And sometimes even back to training is, back to the gym for an hour, an hour and a half, and then on field for on-field training. And then it's back home to hopefully have a cooked meal either by your partner or something you've prepared earlier. <laughs> oh, and I, a- I try I try had a, had a physio appointment in, in between there sometimes because I am getting older and I'm starting to break down <laughs> a little bit. So those are very <laughs> necessary. Yeah, Beth can certainly uh, empathise there. She's <laughs> yeah. got uh, shares in cod liver oil. Um, <laughs> they do wonders for the joints. <laughs> and and it just you know just just so we're, we're really clear and, and for you know for our listeners. So so you you would you would get no payment for for playing for club franchise union. Obviously, a lot of a lot of stash that kind of stuff. And then when you're away, obviously you're you're in their care in terms of accommodation and, and, and what have you. But boots, that kind of stuff, is is that them, you? Um, so I'm quite lucky personally because I've got um, a partnership with Adidas, but all the other girls, um, unless you're in the national team for Super Rugby or Farah Palmer Cup or um, club, then um, nah, everything's supplied on your own. So you're whizzing around. Uh, expenses, that kind of stuff, petrol to, to and from training? Nope. I wish. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's absolutely. So, expensive, yeah. So, look, the only reason I'm drilling down this is I just want to give a, give a picture to the next You're up at half past five uh, on a Monday morning, having had a, a late night Sunday to prepare your food for the week. Um, <laughs> you, you then train, do a full day's work, um, squeeze in some nutrition, which you know, is incredibly important, obviously. Um, you then potentially got a physio appointment, gym appointment, training, and you finish up, what, half past nine, ten o'clock at night? Uh, probably like eight o'clock, 8.30. Oh, come on, we're trying to sell this here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, half ten. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's get the facts. So, but, yeah, that's, you know, that's, uh, what, 15 hours. Um, you, yeah. you, 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 you've been out the door. Um, and outside of your teaching, that's the only thing you're 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 being financially rewarded for. That's extraordinary. Yeah. That's absolutely <laughs> extraordinary, and and that's and that's every day and and every week we're we're back on the on the hamster wheel. Yeah, not not every single day I'll teach, and not every day I'll do a double day. So some days are better, and that those are the days I kind of try and meet up with friends and family that I do never get to see um, because of my kind of life routine, but. Yeah, like I said, I'm I'm actually one of the really lucky ones in our team because I've got that teaching degree and because I've got a good school that kind of lets me um, lets me choose how many shifts I can work and that type of thing. But I mean, there's other girls in, in the team and the Black Ferns that have been there a long time and they are full time every day, like eight till five in training either side of that. So 
yeah, my the post that I did on Instagram, it, it kind of, I, I voiced it on not just for myself, um, because actually I am in a pretty lucky position a lot of the time, but um, I look at my teammates and they're on the grind all the time and they, they don't feel like they've got a voice. So that post for me was was more about having their back as well. It's quite yeah. extraordinary, isn't yeah. it? Because, you know, so many people, and you said it there earlier, the perception versus yeah. the reality is everyone thinks, you know, New Zealand are full-time professionals or semi-professional means that, you know, you're just, you're part-time training because there's not as many games or whatever going on, mm. but actually the people think that you're fully resourced, which isn't the yeah. case. Yeah, the... It's the perception thing that's been really, it's been really nagging at me lately. Um, and I think that's it's almost the straw that, that broke the camel's back after the game, uh, the Super Game last weekend. And there were quite a few comments of people, you know, w- would be out just, you know, at the bar having a couple of drinks or whatever. And a few people would say things like, oh, it's Chelsea's shout. She's, she's cracked it now. She must be loaded and all this stuff. And I get that all the time. Like people think because... Um, I, I get to play for the Blackfins and stuff that, you know, I must be loaded and have all these flash houses like, like the ABs do. <laughs> but, um, yeah, not the case. And, and not many people know that. So it's that, it's that perception thing again that has really been nagging at me. <laughs> no, absolutely. I know people do that on Insta, don't they? Insta and reality. And, uh, yeah, I, this is why I was so keen to, to have you on after you'd, you'd voice what you voice because actually – you know, a, a few free hoodies with, with three stripes on them isn't going to pay for a round of drinks at the bar, is it? Um, yeah, and it was pretty cool when I was 18. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> Ten. Um, but, it's, but it's not, you know, it's, it, it's as you said, and I think you used the word, the word, it's not sustainable. It simply isn't sustainable. And it's, apart from anything, it's, it's just not right. Um, mm. It's simply not right. And we have a big, uh, big thing on here about, Matching what goes on on the field and everything else around women's rugby, the, the, the product that you guys produce, whether it's English club rugby or you guys over there, isn't being matched in the rest of the sport. And that's what, mm. you know, for us has got to come up and behind it. So, Chelsea, I mean, that's a fairly in-depth look to, 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 to what your personally and, and your teammates' issues are. What needs to change? Um, that's, that's the, that's a tough question, I guess. Um, uh, uh, obviously, for me, it's um, getting that Super Rugby comp off the ground and getting a lot more support behind it and just, I guess, giving us a, a bit more of a sustainable life. Um, when you talk about s- sustainability, um, another, another reason why I did do that post is because I I kind of pride myself on being quite a resilient person. Um, you know, if there are any obstacles, I'll just try and try and keep going. I won't stop training or anything or come up with excuses. So when I felt that I was getting really burnt out and down about things, that's when I thought, man, if I'm feeling like this, there must be hundreds of other girls feeling like this. And what I learned actually after that, doing that post is it's it's not even just a hundred other girls in New Zealand. It's thousands of other girls around the world um, feeling the same. So yeah, to answer your question around what needs to happen, it's, it's, it goes beyond even what needs to happen here in New Zealand and rugby. It's a it's a worldwide thing with women's rugby that there's just this, um, I guess, this idea that men's rugby makes all the money, they get all the bums on the seats, so they should get, you know, this this massive amount of money back. Um, when really we're we're all here playing rugby, and women's rugby is the fastest growing sport in the world and I know here in New Zealand um, there's there's a massive upward curve of, of young girls playing rugby while there's a massive downward curve of young boys playing rugby so to me that shows that the future is in women's rugby and it shouldn't be long before you know there's a almost an even amount of both males and females playing it so to me it's just like why isn't there much more investment being put into it now um because you put the money into it now and and then the media exposure and the marketing and all that will follow and then you'll get the bums on the seats. So I think that not only New Zealand rugby, but 
a lot of international rugby unions around the world need to put a stake in the ground and um, give give the woman back a little bit of um, what we've kind of been missing out on for the last 20 or so years, I guess. What about central contracts? Centralised ones? Yeah. So does it, like you mean like all moving to one place? And... Well, yeah, so from from the union because because I guess um, you know Stacey Fu, um, I know you, you know her very well, um, friend of the pod. Obviously, she switches over to, to sevens, and, and therefore mm. actually she, she she is full time. I'm sure there's there might be a tiny bit of resentment on a sort of a, a, a sort of professional level or player level, but um, if the 15s were essentially contacted as well, and it was all controlled by the NZRU, would you know, like England are 28 uh, full-time professional 15s contracts plus the sevens, which, okay, it's a bit different now, but let's not get into that. Would would, would that be a way forward? Uh, I think the the backbone of women's, women's rugby here in New Zealand is the Far Palmer Cup. And I've, I've discussed this with a few people about the centralisation and that, and I just don't think um, that'll work here in New Zealand. I think what the the progression here that needs to happen is the super rugby and um, getting getting a, a larger group of girls playing at that level, um, stepping up from the Farah Palmer Cup and contracting a larger number of players um, just to build depth and and all that. Um, it's, it's tricky with contracting because obviously you need money to contract and everyone's going through a bit of a COVID hangover at the moment. Um, but, yeah, I think that'll be the start and that'll take investment from a massive investment, I know, from New Zealand Rugby and from the franchises. But, um, yeah, as opposed to fully centralising as a 15 team, I think I think that's kind of the better option, in my opinion. Good stuff. All right. Uh, look, it, it, it's it's great to, to hear. I'm just listen to you. That's an unbelievable soundbite that I'm sure Sean's going to clip up for us um, about exactly <laughs> where women's rugby is and, and, and where it should go. Um, yeah, the levelling up of, of player numbers isn't reflected mm. elsewhere, is it? Um, look, well, I, we, we've taken loads of your time. I really, really appreciate it. Um, World Cup next year. Uh, was it a slight blessing as it seems to be for, for the Red Roses over here, your your toughest <laughs> opponents, that it was just put paused a year? For, for you personally uh, uh, and for your teammates, a good thing? Uh, to be really honest, nah, <laughs> it was so tough. Um, the postponement, it came out of nowhere. Like um, yeah. I, f- I found out on the breakfast show down here as I was walking down the stairs to get ready for, for work that day, and I thought it was a joke at the start. And um, it's been it's been really tough for a lot, especially a lot of our senior players. Um, we had a few that wanted to hang up the boots this year, and a few that are just desperate to start families and that type of thing that you don't usually think of if you're a man playing, but it's something us women have to think about. Um, yeah, our team came into our first camp in January in the best condition we've ever been in. And there was just, after what happened last year with COVID, there was an air of excitement and um, girls were just pumped, you know. It was our first ever Home World Cup. Um, we'd made plans for our whole lives around it. So, yeah, when it just got, it felt like it just got really pulled out from under us. And um, it's been really hard um to stay really motivated with no test matches at all to play. Um, the girls over there, I know you've had six stations and stuff, which which is awesome, and I'm really jealous that you get to play in that because that's that's the only bad thing of, of being way down here in New Zealand. Um, we're pretty good at keeping COVID out, but we keep all the other teams out as well. So <laughs> <laughs> we've got no one to play against, um, and it, it, it has been really tough. So we still don't have any any games in the calendar date as of yet. I know they're all being worked on and, and they're probably almost there, but um, when you've been training so hard for four years for one World Cup and then all of a sudden it's not there, it was really tough, yeah. And uh, you're shooing for the win, aren't you, at home soil? Surely. No. <laughs> There's way more pressure on it at home, I reckon. Yeah, loads more pressure. Look, uh, yeah, think- at least I won't have um, swing low speed chariot yelling at me from the from the stands as I try to take a kick. Oh, okay. No <laughs> you thought you liked that? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. <nah. laughs> 
Absolutely no deal. <laughs> Chelsea, look, we'll, um, we'll 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 let you go. Thank you so much for 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 being so honest uh, and coming yeah. on and giving your your point of view. I think it's you know, as you say, you, you're not saying it for you. You're saying it for thousands and thousands thousands of, of rugby players um, around the world. And thank you very much for putting your head above the the parapet for for all of them. And uh, yeah, as I say, thanks for coming on the WRP. No worries. Thank you guys for having me. Cheers, Charles. I'm Lark Davis and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. So on to the news around the world. We've got whispers that four teams will be in, involved in New Zealand Super Rugby competition next year in March off the back of the brilliant success of last week's game with the Chief versus the Blues. Now that would be awesome. Yeah, so Chelsea was talking about it, wasn't she? That has to be the way forward to, for those franchises to to get themselves up and running. Yeah, I, mean, I can only imagine Kendra Coxage. And her envy last weekend of not uh, not being able to pull on a, a Crusader shirt. But hopefully that uh, day is not too far away. Staying down in Australasia, the Trans-Tasman Sevens will be taking place between Australia and New Zealand Sevens uh, on the weekend of the 21st to the 23rd of May in Auckland. So at least some Sevens getting up and running anyway. Some International Sevens up and running. Yes, and two-day sevens events between Madagascar, Kenya and Tunisia took place last week. Kenya running out winners despite an early loss against Madagascar in the close four 14-12 loss on day one. Wow. Brilliant. Rugby all over the world. Uh, and indeed, there's some more international sevens up at St George's Park uh, being arranged between France, Great Britain and Ireland with the games being streamed on the uh, englandrugby.com on Saturday, Sunday and Monday. More information, englandrugby.com. For those games, and just looking back to uh, those international games between England and France, you heard from our our friend Sarah Orchard, uh, got up to 240,000 before the lights went out on everyone. Uh, (sighs) On the red button. That's massive numbers, Berth. That's that's yeah. absolutely huge numbers. And that's tucked away on the red button. Um, I guess a Friday night's a, a good time to place it. But that's superb numbers. What we are saying is the demand is there. Don't believe me. Look at the black and white figures. Yeah, absolutely. And just on that, Ireland are one step ahead at the moment and paving the way for other unions as a joint proposal between Virgin Media and RTE will show unprecedented coverage of the men, women's and under-20s Six Nations Championship. Something we, we spoke about on the pod, bundle it together, if you're going to televise the men, you've got to tele- televise the women uh, and the lads as well. So, yeah, fabulous over there. And... Our friend in Cantwell over in South Africa would have been uh, eyes glowing and warm heart as the South African Women's Premier Division got off to a flying start at the weekend. All games were streamed. Um, Excuse me. Absolutely brilliant. The DHL Western Province beat Boland Dames 38-6. The Border Ladies beat the Blue Bulls women 17-11 and the Seasail Sharks went down 5-13. To Eastern Province, Queens. Brilliant to see some rugby coming out of South Africa. All those games are on television as well. Um, and yeah, proper, really good productions as well. Proper cameras, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was a, it was great to see. Show it in its best light. Yeah, absolutely. Well done to, to Lynn and everybody involved. And just recently, London Irish have announced their ambition to enter a team into the flight, top flight women's rugby in 2023 uh, for the Allianz Premier 15s. They said that the club recognised the growth and it's a natural step, but there's a lot of hard, hard work ahead. Educational partners alongside St Mary's University is sharing coaches and talent, but they have secured the services of Graham Smith, my old coach from Rugby World Cup 2014, um, to develop the on-field performance so really really good news to to hear that london irish are taking that um step forward yeah breaking news there and also breaking news as we're recording this board on tuesday morning uh that the the venue for the premier 15s final has been announced king's home 
is your venue for the final on May the 8th. I just seen what time it is. Du, 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 du. Me, Three, May four, the 30th. Five. Sorry? May the May 30th. May the 30th, not 8th. I've even got the date wrong. Of course, May the 8th has been and gone, isn't it? Utterly ridiculous. Your show is taken by Kingside, Home of Sorry, Sunday, the 30th of May. Honestly, what's in my coffee this morning? Uh, kick off at four o'clock, and that will be live on BT Sport One for that one. That is, uh, yeah, breaking news for us here on the pod. Uh, last bit of news, a uh, little bit sad to bring news, uh, Rugby Canada. A it just looks like a really messy situation, but uh, but I certainly don't want to dampen down uh, the seriousness of, of what's going on over there. 37 athletes have filed a formal complaint under the Rugby Canada bullying and harassment policy that has led to the resignation of coach John Tate. Rugby Canada has said that they will commission an inclusive and transparent review of performance rugby programmes to better understand the training and competitive environment yeah not not great news coming out of of canada 37 athletes to to have signed a, an official document um with contracts and all the rest of it up, um up up for grabs um some some serious stuff going on in canada and something we just we just can't see um was contacted by um one of the friends of the pod said his daughter's involved in in one of the sort of centers of excellence over there and they only have positive things to say so um you know, let's let's just take this incident for for what it is and and stick to stick to the facts. But uh, yeah, we'll wait to see what comes out of um, those reviews. But it it just simply can't happen. Absolutely. That's about uh, it for this week, Berth. We have got a load of shout outs and probably the biggest news of the day coming up as well. Yeah, that's right, Johnny. So some of the shout outs we've got, we've got Sail Sharks community camps supported by Sail Shark players are providing successful camps for next week. Next camp, sorry, at Bury RFC on the 3rd and 4th of June. Sorry, I don't know what's in my coffee now. So Sharks Community Camp supported by Sail Shark players are proving successful. The next camp at Bury RFC on the 3rd and 4th of June. So check out at Sharks Community for more information and get along to those camps. I don't know why you suggested we had a Baileys in our coffee this morning, but really, <laughs> can't believe I actually did what you said as well. Anyway, uh, back here in England, uh, shout out to Gloucester RFU that have announced the players from Bristol Gloucester Hartbury uh, will have age group final trophy trophies dedicated to them. Names such as Sarah Byrne, Amber Reed, Sean Lillycrap, Clara Nielsen, Eleanor Social, Mo Hunt, Zoe Allcroft, Kelly Smith, Hannah Jones, and Tatiana Hurd. Love that. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It really is. And a shout out to Nikki, now playing 12, who's converted from hooker, has got in contact to give a shout out to the mature mature players out there still keen to get involved. Ferlian's Rugby Club near Watford is the Women's Vets Rugby for ready for rugby tournament. So take a look at the Ferlian social med, uh, media for more information about getting yourself along to that. Yeah, thanks for getting in touch, Nikki. Uh, Natalie's also been in touch who uh, plays for the Bedford Blues, but her hometown Kettering RFC are running an inner warriors camp taking place across the country through May. Open to anyone, including those with little or no experience of rugby on the 19th of May. So give them a shout at Kettering RFC on their Instagram. An East Swansea Eagle Girls Hub launch on Monday, the 17th of May at the Morrison's Comp 3G pitch. For more information, go to social media and check out at East Swan Eagles and get involved there. Yeah, good stuff. I mean, we, we love hearing about these things. Yeah, Nikki, Natalie, I've got in touch there, uh, giving a shout out on the pod. So, yeah, we want to hear your stories, uh, what's going on with you at your clubs. Now everybody's sort of beginning to return to some kind of normality. We can hug come Monday, Berth. <laughs> um, where, do, where does everybody do that, Berth? 
Yeah, so simply you can drop us a message on Insta or Twitter at Pod Women's Rugby, you know, or, or you know, you can direct message us um, or communicate us on the feed at Pod Women's Rugby. Do get in touch. We love hearing these stories. We love sharing your stories. And hopefully, you know, we're helping get a little bit more reach, get a few more people down to the Inner Warriors or to the Rugby Ready Vets game. That's what we're here to do, to keep spreading um, and raising the profile. Indeedy so. But now, drum roll, please. Awesome. The WRP will be holding a live podcast virtually. Uh, we're not at that stage yet. On the 26th of May, with special guests, including Natasha Hunt. She's basically going to be the referee. We're going to have a player from each of the finalist teams with basically Mo Hunt and myself sort of in the middle taking shots. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> re- really, really exciting. Uh, no doubt we'll have some prizes and that kind of stuff to give away as well. Last one was a huge success. So please, please join us. That's the Wednesday before the final. Nothing like the 8th of May, but the 26th of May. <laughs> um for our next live pod. More details will come out on our social, but yeah, it'll be uh, be the normal. Buy your tickets on Eventbrite and we will see you there. About it for a, another packed week, Berth. Go quickly, don't they, this time of year? It sure does. With all that that's going on, it just flies through. But it, it's great though, isn't it? Yeah, we, what have we heard from today? We, we've heard from... Rugby over in New Zealand going on. There's some sevens being played with Australia. We have Madagascar involved, South African teams involved, Kenya involved, Tunisia, English rugby, Newsom Island. I mean, we it does feel, Berth, that we're not quite we, – we, we've at least got a, a container to push the water up the hill nowadays um, rather than just trying to do it with our hands. Um that's certainly what it feels like. So, yeah, let's keep the good momentum going on. Absolutely brilliant. And don't forget to buy your tickets for those semifinals. Go to the Harlequins website. Go to the Saracens website for those semifinal tickets. We must just thank Chelsea Alley. Really, really great to, to have her on the pod. Uh, a very, very honest and frank account of exactly what these ladies go through on not only a weekly basis, but a daily basis. So, yeah, whatever support we can give it absolutely flying behind it because this is the future of rugby right here thank as ever to sean to emerson to harry to tom to rugby nut and to jenny thank you to you berth and remember add more substance not spectacle to your life until next time 